This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. From the Willow Window Broadcast Center. Willow Window. Making your home beautiful again with replacement windows, doors, and decks. Online at willowwindow.pro. Now live from NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. It's just absolutely gorgeous outside. The sun is shining, and <laughs> it's, uh, it's always a great day in Rutherford County. And uh, Mike Vaught, uh, gosh, I've known you a long, long time. Long you, time. You were just a baby, I guess. When I you are older than I. I am a little bit older <laughs> than you are. In fact, I'm quite a bit older than you are. Actually, I, I fit right here in Adams' place. <laughs> I, I keep hoping that they're going to uh, get me a room open over here. Uh, you're too active for that, Truman. Well, I don't know. These these guys get over there and work out. They get in the swimming pool. They do something every morning. In fact, they're working out right now, and a lot of them I went to school with, which is a great thing. Now, you're a Last Cassis boy. I call you a Last Cassis boy, which you are. And the vaults, uh, I can go back and name uh, last names of people who pretty much uh, built Last Cassis from the bottom up. And it, it's, it's one of my favorite communities. And we're, we're going to be talking a little bit, Laura's here, we're going to be talking about agriculture and all of those things that uh, you think about when, when you're talking about last gases. And, of course, Laura called me, so I get to put her first on the list. Is that okay? That's all right with me. Okay. And, uh, Laura, you were talking about uh, some people that are kin to me which I never thought would end up on a farm. And it's amazing how we seem to be rotating from city to everywhere else. But the farm life is still the best life, isn't it? I agree with you. I um, grew up on the farm with where Dad grew up in Las Casas. Mm-hmm. Beautiful place. Beautiful place. Yeah. I went to school um, in three different places. Uh, towns mm-hmm. lived in nashville for a while but dad knew more than anybody that i wanted to move back um so i moved back in to nashville i did oh. uh, i worked um in downtown nashville so i bought a place in nashville but uh-huh. dad got me back to milton interned so. in washington yeah i lived in knoxville um but dad knew that i wanted to move back so i moved back to milton about a year and a half ago yeah now why were you in washington um i interned for um, a congressman from West Tennessee who was a farmer, and I worked on the House Agriculture Committee with the mm-hmm. legal team when I was in law school, and yeah. I interned for Senator Alexander in the Senate, too. Oh. Well, tell me about Washington in your your viewpoint. Cause, see, I have a terrible uh, uh, image of Washington, period, and I've known a lot of people that have been up there and... Uh, involved in so many things but you've been up there tell me what it's like for you i loved living there i lived there twice for just a short period of time because i was just interning i loved living there because i love the history um i will say that i think that it became more contentious the first time i was there was in 2011 the second time was in 2014 i think it became more contentious but i think that a lot of what people view about washington is probably a little skewed because all the politicians get along better than they let on. Um, there's more working together than they. So you can't even believe that when, when, <laughs> when they're up there fighting with each other. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed being – I enjoyed working for a congressman who was a farmer. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, like I said, a West Tennessee – he actually had Davy Crockett's former seat. Oh, wow. And so um, I got to – a lot of the issues that he cared about that really impacted his district were about agriculture. So yeah. I enjoyed working for him and then on the House Ag Committee too. 
That would be Stephen Fincher, who is northwest Tennessee, uh, a rather large row crop farmer uh, and a really great individual and a little bit akin to Jim Tracy, I think. Oh, wow. I don't don't remember uh, Jim ever mentioning his name. Uh, Well, it would be a plus for Jim. Yeah, you think so? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The the farm life, as far as you, you grew up. Uh, in, in in an agricultural setting, I did. Uh, how important is that to have someone up there actually speaking for the farmers in Washington and what it means to our country? I think it's critical. So I have this unique combination of I'm a lawyer and I'm really interested in policy, but I also grew up on a farm and I've milked cows and I've chopped thistles, unfortunately, and um, fed calves and have been in the hay field. Um, Dad called that character development, the chopping thistles. Yes, I can see that. But our country, I mean, our state, too, for for the most part, and our country is becoming more urbanized, which is just the nature of things. So um, our House House of Representatives in Congress and here in the state are going to reflect that. There's going to be more urban members, but they make policy for all Tennesseans. So Mm -hmm. um, I think having a member who was a farmer was really important. But another thing that I've been a part of, and Dad is a part of this too, as a Farm Bureau member, is we have Farm Bureau lobbyists at the um, at the state level and at the national level yeah. who meet with Congress congressmen all the time, and at the state level they meet with the House and Senate members daily to let them know how bills they're considering impact farmers, um, really from a business standpoint. Farming is a business, but there are a gamut of issues that Farm Bureau tracks. And so I think electing members who have an agricultural background, even if they're not actively farming like Congressman Venture was, is important. But I think also having those Farm Bureau and there are other ag groups who have um, lobbyists as well. Those are really important, too, because they can speak the language and be up there every day and, and really know what's happening and also report back to farmers what's happening in Nashville or D.C. Yeah. I have a, a an unusual feeling about lobbyists, <laughs> and I have for many, many years because it seems like it's an extension of being an elected official for many years, and then you step up to another level, which is lobbyist. And, uh, but the, my negative viewpoint does not react over to the agricultural part because they need people up there speaking for them because that's one of the most important issues that we have in our country. I agree. And I think just like, you know, I think I said a lot of people have a negative connotation of what happens in Congress. A lot of people have a negative connotation of lobbyists. Um, I worked with the Farm Bureau lobbyists at the state level, and I think the overwhelming majority of lobbyists were there just to carry a message for a constituency. Um, there are all types of business coalitions that have lobbyists um, as well, but really they're just there to carry a message and represent people in Nashville every day because they're at home doing their work. So um, it was important to be up there. And in fact, um, it was really interesting. The first, one of the first days I spent with Farm Bureau on the Hill in Nashville they were considering a bill about fence law and trespassing. And I didn't. Ooh, I missed out on that one. So they were considering the bill, and we were sitting in a member's office. And I was an intern. I think I was in college at the time. And I didn't expect him to look at me. And he said, What do you think about this? And I said, Well, funny enough, I was up in the middle of the night chasing cows. I had happened to be, the cows had gotten out the night before because mm-hmm. someone cut our fence and trespassed onto our property. Ooh. And yeah. I didn't expect him to ask me that question. But I had experience, very recent experience, that helped him understand why it was important. And he was on an important committee, and he didn't have that perspective. So um, in addition to having those lobbyists, Farm Bureau, we just had our legislative luncheon last week with all of our um, county officials and our um, House members and senators at Mm -hmm. the Farm Bureau building. And we just exchanged information with them. They told us what they're working on, and we told them what's important to us. And so I think that exchange where... Um, farmers get together with elected representatives is also an important part of what Farm Bureau does. I don't remember anybody ever cutting my fences, but I do remember somebody's hogs getting on my property all the time. 
Does that take anything in like that? Or what exactly is the fence law? So that's funny that you say that because I actually, there's actually quite a... I didn't mean to be funny. No, it's okay. It's it's just (laughs) interesting that you say that because um, there's actually quite a bit about fence law in our state. Yeah, yeah. And I actually teach it to farmers sometimes. Oh, wow. So I just spoke about it recently in February. And there are a lot of questions surrounding fence law, Uh um, especially when farmers share a fence. And... um, so there's a it, there's a lot of interesting points that can come up, and um, farmers are and animal owners are responsible for keeping their animals on their property, right. and fence law plays a part in that. So um, there's a lot of questions that come up with that. Laura actually did a ag law seminar when she was at UT mm-hmm. in law school, and uh, Lynn and I went up to uh, to listen to the speakers and that, and. Uh, Penny White was one of Laura's instructors who used to be on the Supreme Court of the state of Tennessee. Yeah. And she told uh, Lynn and I that she said, I told her this would never work. She said, I had no idea that ag and law could intersect so much. So It does seem like an unusual partnership. It, it really does. To one thing, you, you were talking about lobbyists. You know, a whole lot of what lobbyists do is to keep something from happening to you or maybe on purpose, but also the law of unintended consequences that can affect you. And when we do Farm Bureau... Uh, what po- I see is wallets getting bigger. <laughs> That's part of it. But yeah. the, our Farm Bureau lobbyist, uh, the one law interned under... Now, is we're re- talking about... Uh, tell, t- tell me exactly the Farm Bureau part that you're representing. Well, so I'll just give a brief overview of Farm Bureau. It's a grassroots organization. It's in all states and territories of the U.S., but it's the national. Are we talking about the insurance company, too? Well, the insurance company is related, but I'm talking about the Federation, the Farm Bureau Federation. Because I, I have Farm Bureau insurance. I want, to, I want to make sure I've been represented. That's a good thing. You have, you are Thank Farm you very Bu- much, Laura. <laughs> you're a Farm Bureau member. Yeah. Um, Farm Bureau insurance is not in every state. We have one of the best insurance companies in Tennessee, though. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yes. it, it's a service company of the Federation. The Federation was started nationwide in 1919 in Tennessee in 1921. So we're 100 years old this year, actually. Um, But the goal is to promote, uh, and I don't have the exact language down of the mission, but it's essentially to promote and protect rural lifestyle and the lifestyle of farmers and to ensure that they can continue to do business. So um, we're at the county, state, and national level. Dad is our um, county president, and I'm involved with the Young Farmer and Rancher Program because I'm Mm -hmm. still young. (laughs) I'm still in that category. So I'm involved with that at the county and state level. And um, Dad and I also travel quite a bit to national conferences, and we've enjoyed that too. So it's a way for us to get together with other farmers, Mm -hmm. learn what other farmers are doing. But um, we also, through different programs, promote agriculture, educate children about agriculture. Normally, in times when we don't have COVID, we have a county event called Adventures in Agriculture. Yeah. Um, So through different programs, we essentially try to – promote agriculture to the non-agriculture public since agriculture is such a small part of our population those involved in agriculture are so um do you have a lot of connection with those major farmers up in iowa nebraska and all of that i was up there picking believe it or not picking up a prisoner many many (laughs) years ago and i decided i'd get up and start running in the morning kind of take the the air traffic out of my system and i was running I was in shock. I've never seen such tractors. I mean, they were as big as this building almost, it seemed like. And it was a like a parade. I, I, I'd never been used to anything like that. But we have a lot going on right here in, in Tennessee and in Middle Tennessee. It, this is one of the great, um, I, I guess, agricultural places anywhere in the country at one time. I agree. I mean... It's a great agricultural place still, um, yeah. despite the growth in Nashville. Um, we, we actually have over 1,000 farms in Rutherford County. Wow. Um, which I think is kind of shocking. Um, but I think that farmers have had to adjust to the growth mm-hmm. around here. Um, for some, that's a good thing because they're doing something that's value-added. So like Beatty Farms, who's selling their meat directly to the public, yeah. they have a bigger um, market now. Mm-hmm. Um Farmers are adjusting and having folks come onto the farm, which is another great way to educate about agriculture. So 
you know, it's st- despite the growth, it's still a robust industry. It's actually the number one industry in our state. It's about 13% of our state's economy. So even in our county, in our state, agriculture still plays a big role. What, uh, Mike, what is the, the biggest uh, sales uh, group as far as um, agriculture is concerned? I, is it the raising of which raising of cattle and milk and those types of things? Beef cattle, of course. Uh, when I was milking, uh, Daddy had quit. I went to pick it up heifers in college, went back to milking. Milked through the 80s and 90s. And in the early 80s, there were probably 85 grade-A dairies in this county. And uh, the Shireys are the only one left outside of MTSU, so there's, yeah. we're down to one. Some of that, a good portion of that is because of growth, but it's also a change in the industry. The dairies have moved west, and uh, there are, well, 5,000 cow dairies or nothing in the west. Uh, I for several years, bought and sold Jersey heifers, and the, one of the last loads. I love Jerseys. Uh, one of the last loads I shipped went to uh, uh, Snake River Valley in Idaho. They were milking 30,000 cows, 30,000 Jersey cows. So that gives you an idea how many hundred cow Rutherford County dairies could be absorbed, how quickly uh, by just one of those dairies. Who has Earl McCrary's old farm? Is that still in the family? Ernie. Ernie, Ernie Brown. Ernie's doing it. Ernie's doing it. I don't think Ernie's milking any cows. Uh, no, no, uh, no one's milking any cows. And and I know you remember the cooperative creamery in the early yeah. '80s. There were probably 80 grade B dairies still in the county. Yeah. You know, so it was a, a, a rather large thing. Mr. Dayton Johns that used to milk uh, with his son Larry down around Mona between Walter Hill and Mona. Mm-hmm. Mr. Johns told me one time that uh, Cherry Lane. Yeah. out by the Seagull property where the soccer fields are now. That that was actually named for a man that came from maybe Jamestown or somewhere in that area. He came here to milk cows. My father used to say that uh, cotton and cream and cedar buckets were the industry in Rutherford County prior to World War II, and, that, yeah. and that, there was a lot of truth to that. You didn't have too far to go to get with all your neighbors, did you, back in, when you were young? Most of the people were going to Brown's store at that time, and, and it's legendary. It's it's one of the great <laughs> historical places in Rutherford County because I used to go there. It, I used it, to see you there. Yeah, I used to go there all the time because it was one of the more interesting places because I loved the conversations that they had. It, it was one of you those You just places. didn't believe them all, though, did you? <laughs> well, unfortunately, I didn't believe all of them. <laughs> but, Fortunately. Yeah, but but... I would go in there, and I would take a tongue lashing as soon as I went through the front door. And, of course, that was Mo, and, and I've never seen one like her. And I thought that that store would be there forever. I, I thought it was would, would be one of those places where three or four generations could still come there and, and um, you know, kind of catch up on all the th- happenings that were going on. I think you just extended a challenge to Mo. <laughs> I've been challenging her ever since that place closed. You and a lot more people. So. Yeah, but but I, it, it's like a historical uh, book. There, as soon as you walk in, uh, you could cover four or five generations as soon as you walk through that door. Uh, yeah, my grandparents traded there, and, and of course, uh, we would stop in, and then. My son has been there, so that's four generations right there. So I still remember eating bologna sandwiches that weren't the same thickness all the way through. It was thicker at one. The bologna was thicker at one end than but the where other. Where you got to see the bologna, it was thick. <laughs> yeah. But she would cut it where it would thin down drastically <laughs> on the other side. Yeah. That bologna would last forever. You're making a good point, though, about the role that places like that play in our community because way before cell phones, way before cell phones, um, my mom and my brother and I were in an accident. I was probably one at the time. You were. And um, the person who saw the car knew that it was my mom's car. And so mm-hmm. he went to Brown's store to find out where my dad was, and they knew where my dad was. Um, so he didn't have <laughs> a cell course. phone. He didn't have a cell phone at the time. But that's how Dad was there able. There were to, not cell phones. Right, the there time. wasn't. They weren't invented yet. That was about 1989, I think. So. 
So that, you know. Brown had seen me on the road when he, my buddy had, mm-hmm. when he was running the bus route. And he knew where I was. Yeah. Had a good guess as to where I'd be. And that's how they found me. So. After that yeah, accident. You, you, you didn't need anything to point where you are. <laughs> All you had to do was go through at Brown's store. And they knew everything that was going on in that community. Right. So that was, that's an interesting, you know, it's, it was a gathering place. Um, and we still have some places like that, but they're not quite the same. But it played an important role for us that day. It was definitely a place for our community to Did you go? Gather. I guess you went to last guys to school. I did. I was actually in the first class, and I remember the walkover from the old school. I was in the first class to start kindergarten at the new school. Yeah. Um, and I I went to a Christian school for a couple of years in middle school, but I went back and finished up at last Casas and um, – I had Miss Tackett for kindergarten, and then I had Mr. Tackett as my principal at Oakland to finish out my high school career. So I had both of the Tackett's, and I had. Was Linda Brown teaching still at that time, or has she retired? I don't think she was teaching. Um, I don't think she was teaching, but Mr. Stewart was the principal still. Yeah. Um, she had uh, Laura's older brother Philip, and that probably wrapped Linda up. I think. <laughs> I remember going to, especially in seventh or eighth grade. Um, like Miss Hopkins and Mr. Doris, and they just couldn't believe that I was related to Philip Vault because I followed the rules and paid attention in class and stuff. So, um, but yeah. You know, I remember when your daddy was running around with a pretty crazy bunch one time. <laughs> and uh, did did I ever have to, Mike, did I ever stop you or? or no, I think uh, you're confusing me with my brother, Stan, uh-huh. and Otis oh, Webb, I remember, yeah. Mark Baker, some yeah, of those. yeah. So, Those are famous names coming out, yeah. out, out of last cases. Uh, it, it, uh, it's tough when you had to get after the sheriff's son. When it, uh, at that time, Bless his heart. Uh, Craig Snell was the <laughs> yeah. sheriff, and yeah. you were the chief deputy, I believe. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and those were good times. And you, you remember when Craig uh, and Janice built that house over there? I do. Uh, well, they were... What, a half a mile around the road from us, I guess? Yeah. And, and uh, I remember them building the house and, and uh, moving in. I knew Craig a little bit then, got to know Oda and uh, the whole family. Uh, Michelle, uh, Michelle you and Oda out there, and he could do, uh, he was as strong as a tractor. <laughs> I've never seen one like him. You know, he actually beat every uh, football player at MTSU in arm wrestling. In one night. Oda was the fastest big guy I ever saw. Yeah. And the first time I ever saw him, he picked me up and jumped me up and down <laughs> just like I was a pencil, you know. So. Well, when he got that uh, 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 football uh, scholarship That's in right. California, he used to go running with me every day, and then we'd swim at night to get him in shape. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. From NAC's Adams Place. Home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. If you're looking around your home and it's looking like it's time to update, we can do anything as far as painting, new flooring, anything that you're looking for. If you can dream it, we can turn it into reality. They already did a great job on our bathroom, so when we decided to redo the playroom, Farrah Construction was the only one we called. This is Ron Hall with Farrah Construction. 615-893-6120. That's Fair Construction Company. At Heritage South Community Credit Union, we help when others won't. It's what our members tell us we do every day. Whether it's a loan for a car you need to get to work or saving for the future, let us see if we can help. If you live, work, worship, or attend school in Rutherford, Bedford, or Marshall Counties, you can be a member of Heritage South. Visit our website, HeritageSouth.org, to learn more. Insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Discount Mattress is on the move, and great news for you. To reduce moving costs, all remaining inventory is being liquidated. Stop in today at 1614 Northwest Broad Street near the Georgetown Kroger to take advantage of the huge price reductions on their already discounted prices. Discount Mattress has been serving Murfreesboro's mattress needs since 2001, is locally owned and operated, and excited to offer these reduced prices prior to their move. Don't wait. Stop by today. Discount Mattress at the corner of Northwest Broad and Northfield. This is Scott. 
it's now time to make your health a priority with a quick and easy health assessment at Low T Center, where they exclusively specialize in us men, and they follow strict medical guidelines for your health and safety. And they are one of the leading men's medical providers in the country. Low T Center has really reinvented the doctor's visit, and they make it quick and easy for us men to get in and get all of our levels checked out, not just our testosterone. It starts with an annual wellness exam where they do a comprehensive health assessment so you know all your numbers that are important to your health. If you've been feeling tired, grumpy, have noticed weight gain or loss of muscle mass, they could all be signs of low testosterone levels, low thyroid, or even sleep apnea. Low T Center can determine the cause and help. And now they offer monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments, providing convenience and additional health monitoring measures for your safety. $135 a month for self-pay or covered by most health insurance. So book your annual wellness exam today. Go to LowTCenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street, across from the tall NHC building. All of the proceeds that we generate from our store goes directly back into the ministry for those programs that Greenhouse has. So we would just encourage people to come out and take a look. The Garden Patch offers competitive prices on name brand clothing, furniture, large appliances, household items, toys, and more. Shopping at the Garden Patch helps Greenhouse Ministries inspire, give hope, and change lives. The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street in downtown Murfreesboro. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Or a nationally syndicated talk show host G. Gordon Liddy is dead. Liddy, a key figure in the Watergate scandal who later became a popular radio talk host, spent many years on the air here at WGNS Radio. The show began in 2003 and remained on the air until July 27, 2012, when he signed off. I want to thank, you know, a lot of people. First of all, I want to thank you, my listeners. You've been wonderful. You've been very supportive. You've supported our advertisers, and uh, I am grateful. Liddy was convicted of his role in the Watergate scandal. A former FBI agent, he was considered a mastermind of the plot to place wiretaps in the Democratic National Committee headquarters and serve 52 months in federal prison. G. Gordon Liddy was 90. State health officials are warning Tennesseans against letting their guard down against the coronavirus. More than 20% of Tennesseans have started the process of getting vaccinated against COVID-19, but Tennessee remains one of the most infectious states when it comes to new cases. Tennessee Department of Health Commissioner Dr. Linda Piercy says she's fairly certain it's going to get worse. A bill debated at the state capitol would require aborted fetuses either be cremated or buried. The bill passed through a state house subcommittee yesterday with a positive recommendation to the full health committee. It would require a woman having an abortion or health care facility to pay for the handling of the process. Murfreesboro Republican Representative Tim Rudd, who sponsored the bill, says he's trying to create a process to treat aborted human beings with dignity. When news breaks, we tweet it. Follow us at WGNS Radio or log on to our website, WGNSRadio.com. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. This is Dick Palmer, voice of Blue Raider Baseball. We're excited to be on News Radio WGNS. Follow each pitch of the season on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, the flagship station for the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. Deep right field. Nobody's going to get that one. That one is out of the ballpark. And the Raiders continue to pile on the runs. Your exclusive home for Blue Raider Baseball, News Radio WGNS. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. For this afternoon, we'll see a good chance for showers and thunderstorms across the area, high of 58. We'll then see partly cloudy skies tonight with a low near 28. I'm meteorologist Nick Carlisle on News Radio WGNS. Right now it's 47. 
Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896-4100, or go see a movie.com. Popcorn pop fresh daily. Their movie hotline, 896-4100, or go see a movie.com. Premier Six on Broad and Jackson Heights. From NAC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back with Mike and Laura Vaught. And, um, you know, I, I really shouldn't even be here. I could just let you guys run the show. I mean, we, we, we were talking about, uh, I think we could go on for hours and hours and hours because there's so much to talk about, and you guys are more informed than anybody that I know of when we're talking about farms and, and uh, what it means to our country and all the other things, Farm Bureau. And and um, you were you, you know so much, I don't even know really where to lead the questions because it's a continuation with you, Mike. Well, I've spent a lifetime in agriculture, so yeah. and I have a passion for it. Yeah. And uh, enjoy being able to be involved in the policy side at the local level mm-hmm. and then on to the regional and state level. Mm-hmm. We have a policy book at Farm Bureau that originates, we break up into groups at uh, at our at one of our monthly board meetings, mm-hmm. discuss different policies, and then get back together as a whole group and uh, uh, debate that. It's not all. It's it's never contentious, but it's we we have different viewpoints, which is great. And then that goes on to a region, and then on to the state. I've worked on the state policy development, and then on to the national. So it's a very grassroots. Uh, uh, our policies are very, very grassroots, and, and I, I, I appreciate that and, and enjoy being a part of that process. How powerful am I with my, what, $35 a year payment to be a member of the Farm Bureau? Uh, you To buy the insurance, you uh-huh. have to be uh, – you have to, to – uh, be a member, so that's that's your membership fee. Yeah. But then, if you are an active farmer, a good way of looking at that, if you file a, a Schedule F on your 1040, mm-hmm. then you then can't you, be a hobby farmer. Well, you can be. It depends, but but our voting members are active uh-huh. farmers. Okay. Because they're involved in the policy part of it, mm-hmm. so there are kind of several arms to Farm Bureau policy being one of them. And uh, uh, being the most important one, that was the original reason it was organized a hundred years ago. Yeah. And then, uh, but the service part, there's several service companies within the, our state farm bureau, which is the lar- largest one, Laura, mm-hmm. in the nation. You got to uh, be kidding. No, we're wow. we're larger than some of the, the large, yes, California one. even. So. Well, and it's because we have strong. Strong service, we have service companies. Strong yeah. service companies, and that's made the Farm Bureau stronger. Wow. And it's made us more active in policy than maybe some of the other smaller states. We have somebody calling us. Caller, welcome aboard with Mike and Laura. Good morning, Truman. I am enjoying your show. Well, thank you very I have, much. <laughs> I have a question, please. Um, oh, I... I Tell me who you are. Of course, I know. Is this Regina? This is Regina. Okay, fire on. Okay, so my question is, as just a regular citizen here in Rutherford County, what can I and the Rutherford Countyans do to help our farmers here in Rutherford County and farmers in general? What a great question, huh? Laura, why don't you take that first and then I'll add to it. Yeah, so I think it depends you know, really on what your goal is. I think that the number one thing you could do would be to use your dollars to support farms in our county. So there are several farms in our county. We have flower farmers, the babies who sell pork. Um, We have several folks in Las Casas who sell beef. 
um, MTSU bottles milk. I think that any product you can buy that was grown in our county is the probably the easiest and best way to do it because you're already going to be buying those products anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, the other way is just to pay attention to what – I mean, Farm Bureau even pays attention to what happens at the city and county level as far as um, government goes and policy goes. So you can always encourage good policy or pay attention to what Farm Bureau um, promotes as far as good policy and ask local leaders um, and state leaders to enact policies that make it as beneficial as possible for farmers to do business. Uh, another thing I would add is is uh, if you see a piece of farm equipment, a little respect goes a long way. Mm. We're moving farm equipment that most of it is 15 feet or narrower, but on some of these, if you're on Jefferson Pike with a 15-foot piece of equipment, you know, it it, uh, it it requires some cooperation. We do move slow now. Over the over my lifetime, these the equipment is uh, much better lit. We have sm- slow moving vehicle signs. Mm-hmm. We move some of ours at night a good bit because uh, it's actually easier to see at night, and of course a lot less traffic. So any any time you see us out. Just a little slowdown can yeah. make a huge difference. No matter and, what it is. Yeah, I do have a neighbor that was down at Mona last year, and, and uh, uh, some guy was speeding, and, and the wreck did not involve his piece of equipment, but yeah. the, it caused them to hit someone else, so it tied up Jefferson Pike for about two and a half hours and that yeah. kind of stuff. I, I see a lot of, uh, of, the, uh, of the, 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 the round hay bales being carried and you're right i mean it's not that big deal slow down and make sure that that uh, you you can see everything coming both ways before and most of the time uh the people that are on the tractor or whatever kind of equipment it is they're looking and and they're trying to process ahead of you and behind you and then they'll give you a a a little motion to come on around or, or whatever and I think it's important. Just wave at them and and just thank them for what they're doing out there. I I, uh, I see a lot of it. Uh, maybe Braidable Pike. I see a lot of them out there. Big Springs Road and and all of those areas. And uh, a little common courtesy goes a long way. Well, and two, um, our county. We talked about this earlier. Our county is growing a lot. It's definitely different than when I was. Um, growing up 30 plus years ago and it's definitely not different. even that old i'm 33 oh good god um but you know it's changed a lot and the growth has changed how farmers have to do business but we always have to coexist agriculture is yeah. not going to leave our county um it's going to continue to grow and so yeah, i hope so yeah so you know we on the road but also in other ways we have to learn to coexist we um, have another caller caller welcome aboard with laura and mike Hi, this is not another caller. I just got cut off before. Oh, <laughs> oh, you're still here. All right. Yeah, I have another question, please. Um, where could we go to find information that you're talking about, you know, like issues that farmers are having and things that we might could help with? Is there a place that gives that information out? Yeah, so it, if you're a Farm Bureau member, um, you can sign up to get updates from Farm Bureau. And by, when I say Farm Bureau member, I mean you purchase the insurance. Or if you don't even purchase the insurance, you can pay $35 a year and become a member. Um, it pays for itself rather quickly because you get a lot of discounts on things. So you can get information directly from Farm Bureau um, that's emailed or mailed to you. Um, we get, Dad and I get those updates all the time. Um, I know I probably read the email more than he does. But... Um, you can also just go on the Farm Bureau website. Our state Farm Bureau has a great website that um, it highlights certain farmers and tells exactly what their operation is like, and it gives updates about what policy issues, like this time of year, the, the legislature's in session, so it gives policy updates um, on the website. And they ha- they also do um, a radio a one-minute radio segment that goes out to several different radio stations, but you can also listen to that on the website. So I, I would just say um, you know, some of it you'll have to seek out yourself, but there are certain sources that are going to be better than others, and I would always start with Farm Bureau. Okay, so the, the website would be the State Farm State Farm mm-hmm. Bureau website? Yeah, so I think it's tnfarmbureau.org, I think. Okay. Thank you so much. 
yeah, thanks for calling. Thank you, Regina. I'm, I'm going to expand on what Dad said about policy earlier. It really does start at the grassroots level. Um, we depend on, so our lobbyists in Tennessee are Stephen Moffin, Kevin Hensley, and Laura Lee Harris, and we depend on them to give us. They send us a, a Friday email about what happened in the legislature that week. They have interviews with lawmakers and um, give details about certain bills. So we rely on that information from them. Um, at the county level, we discuss whatever has been talked about, what we think might come up in the next year, mm -hmm. and we develop a position on it. So we, st we every county does it. Um, then we do it at the district level. Um, sometimes, like at our, at our district, when last year Congressman John Rose came and participated in it, he's also a Farm Bureau member. Um, we do it at the district level, and we voice concerns and talk about how we should approach certain issues. Um, then we do it at the state level, and Dad has been a state voting delegate before. Um, you, each county gets, I think, two. I've, I think I've been a state voting delegate, too. Dad and I did it together last year, but um, we did do it together last year because um, I was the young farmer and rancher chairman. But we vote on things, and, um, you know, each county has a certain – I think each county has two or three representatives, and we – consider language in our policy book and we can amend it on the spot um, and we create a Tennessee policy book and then we also do it at the national level so this is where dad was talking about Tennessee gets a lot of pull mm -hmm. we have the overwhelming majority of delegates because we have such a big farm bureau but at the national level in January every year um, we do the same thing we go through the policy book um, a policy committee submits um, proposals based on what is being talked about in Congress. Mm -hmm. um, this would all be at the congressional level um, or regulations from departments. But we go through it and we vote on it. And um, our lobbyists do a great job of educating us about what exactly it means. What does this language mean if we change it? Um, I've seen the uh, debate for five minutes be a comma versus a period and where do we yeah. insert the comma and that kind right. of stuff. It's very thoughtfully considered at all, like at, 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 at all levels. Yeah, you and I probably don't need to be writing the policy. No, we might no, try to understand you're it. You're exactly right. But, you know, there's, you know, hundreds of farmers in the room um, discussing an issue that's going to impact them and what our organization's stance should be on that. And then we vote. And so this year we had to do it remotely. So I was a national one a couple of years ago in person, and it was so much fun. Um, but I did it remotely this year, and you get to hear what someone from New York thinks about something and someone from Texas or, you know, all over the country. And so that helps you, you know, we have a deep understanding of what it's like to be on a dairy farm or a beef cattle farm, but there are folks who grow almonds who get to weigh in or avocados or, um, you know, they might raise fish or whatever. So um, I think that's been a cool part of Farm Bureau to participate in that, but also learn from other farmers by listening to them. Are other states as committed to it as we are here? Um, I, I think that there are. We definitely have the biggest number. Yeah. Um, and I think we have really strong lobbyists. But, yeah, there are other states that have great um, Farm Bureaus. We have a great national Farm Bureau. I've gone to do some national events in D.C., mm -hmm. um, one was called Women's Communication Boot Camp, and I went up there for a week, and I got to meet women from all over the country. Um, and they had strong farm bureaus, state farm bureaus, too. So I think so. I, I'm particularly proud of ours. Um, I think it's robust. Yeah. and they've I think made, we all are. Yeah, yeah. They've made great decisions over the years, the whole yeah. 100 years, to put us where we are today. Laura said a key word there, and that, that word was communication. And farmers aren't always the best communicators. And I think we've gotten better in my lifetime, uh, certainly. And education of the general public as to what we do, why we're doing it. Uh, you can take one Facebook post and it be uh, the implication be that we're doing something evil when it's something we've been doing for years, you yeah. know. And it, it is based on not understanding what we do. Uh Jason Ladd is on our Farm Bureau board now that runs Lucky Ladd Farms. And he, even those things are, of course, entertainment, but he's also where, where doing. Where is that? Out towards Rockvale. I've uh, heard of it. North, north of 99. Yeah, okay. And uh, they, they do a lot of, of course, it's entertainment, but he's also trying to incorporate uh, information, education in, into his presentation out there. Yeah. And uh, he's been a great addition to our board, and I think helped our 
awareness of that kind of stuff. Right. And Farm Bureau also does Ag in the Classroom program where they give curriculum straight to teachers. So teachers can incorporate agriculture mm-hmm. into their science curriculum, math curriculum, things like that. Our local Farm Bureau sends, what, two or three teachers a year to, to a uh, summer school for about a week mm-hmm. to instruct them on that, some, some that have participated in that. So there are opportunities out there for teachers. Uh, and let me make mention, I'm also on the Soil Conservation Board, which is the local part that partners with the uh, soil conservation side of the Farm Service Agency. Yeah. And we have, we have some monies that we can help a school get a garden going, help uh, uh, private NGOs. We've helped Oakland's Mansion with their period garden out there. So we have a lot of different things. So if someone's interested in that, as an organization, we're uh, talking with Journey Home right now. We've helped some of those kind of organizations. And sometimes it may be gardening, it may be other things, mm-hmm. but uh, they sometimes those things are very therapeutic for somebody who's going through a tough time. Yeah. So if someone has something like that, you can contact the local soil conservation office. And uh, Well, I'll say, you're reminding me of something. I think the main thing, so I've always grown up in agriculture, and I've really always kind of grown up in Farm Bureau. I'm sure as a toddler, I played on the basement floor of the Farm Bureau building that I go into all the time now. Mm-hmm. But Farm Bureau promotes farmers, um, and that's the goal. But it doesn't do so as an island, and agriculture doesn't exist as an island and just like we can incorporate agriculture into math and science in a classroom and help a kid learn that way, um, you know, we can also partner with organizations that do things like fight hunger. Mm-hmm. Um, and agriculture is really important in that part of things, too. Um, but in, even in my career, a lot of people don't immediately see why a farm girl would want to be an attorney. But farm, the law, we've been talking about public policy, the law impacts farmers every day. And so... Which, which uh, uh, attorney group are you with? Yeah, so I am in private practice here in Murfreesboro mm-hmm. at Caius Rogers, Barger, Holder, and King. And so um, I actually when I went to law school, it was because of Farm Bureau, and I thought that I would end up doing something like being a lobbyist. But And I worked in government for a while, but mm-hmm. um, they, when I spoke with them about joining the firm, they were... They, I told them that I wanted to practice in a way where I could promote my services to farmers and yeah. ag businesses. So I mainly focus on estate planning, probate, um, general business, and real estate. Mm-hmm. We also have an associated title company that my mother works with, which is really fun, too. She told me she was going to review some documents I sent her today, yeah. so that's always great. But, um, you know, I, when I joined the firm, I said, I want to promote legal services to farmers yeah. um, and bridge that gap. And they were, they've been super supportive of that. But, um, you know, farmers and farmers need lawyers too. Yeah. And so just like, you know, agriculture doesn't exist in a, as an island, I think Farm Bureau does a good job of bridging that gap, and I enjoy doing that as a lawyer. So. What did you think about uh, the farming industry was a major part of the political scene uh, when uh, Donald Trump was president? And... and, and the um, inner fighting that was going on with us and China and some of those other countries that uh, actually bought a lot of our produce and, and things like that. Do you do you get involved in any of that uh, as it's um, going along? Because it's always going to be a major part of uh, what's going on because if it wasn't for the farmers, we would not be near uh, the country that we are right now. You're, I mean, I'll let Dad expand on this, too, because he's the one who's probably more impacted by stuff like that mm-hmm. and actually probably more in tune with international trade. But we live in a global society now. We're going to trade. So yeah. Dad grows soybeans, and about a third of our sto- soybeans from Tennessee go overseas. So um, decisions like that that presidents or congress make are really important um, because it's going to immediately impact the price of the commodity that he's selling so um i'm going to not (laughs) be political but you know those things were really important and i think that that trade discussion highlighted how important it was for farmers to have access to trade yeah 
part of, uh, of course, we had a downturn in commodity prices, had several good years of crops, which naturally in a free market leads to a downturn. But uh, in addition to the embargo, I mean, not the embargoes, but the tariffs that were put on, uh, the Chinese hog herd was devastated with disease. And now it has come back. They're they're re-expanding their hog herd. So it it has been reflected in prices in about the last nine months. So now prices, explain what that is, the hog herd. Uh, you know, they eat a great deal of pork yes. in China. Yes. And they were trying to raise more hogs themselves. Uh, I mean, some really innovative practices. Some of them probably don't work, but some of them are really innovative, too. And... Uh, they had uh, African swine fever mm-hmm. in their hog herd, yeah. and the only way to get rid of that is depopulate. So it's took it it took them several years to get rid of that, maintain some some of the hog herd, but their numbers were significantly down. Mm-hmm. So now they're trying to rebuild their numbers in order to feed yeah. all those people, and it. it uh, it, it has been reflected in commodity prices over the last nine months. They've gone up a good bit, deal. I met with then-Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, at Nashville, and, and I was supportive of the tariffs. When you consider that just from one thing, the $500 billion in intellectual property theft by the Chinese alone, yeah. to me, is enough to wake them up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we did. Well, so, uh, you're talking about markets. Another thing that we saw in the last year that really impacted ag markets was coronavirus. Um, this time last year, schools started shutting down, restaurants started shutting down, and there were so many supply chains that were set up to be wholesale for those purposes, but then people were buying more in grocery stores, and we had empty grocery store shelves. Yeah. So that impacted prices, too, and the supply chain was deeply affected, um, so it took a little while to get that back in sync, too. So, fear, fear is a terrible thing. Yeah. So and when you implant that fear in the people, it becomes even worse. And uh, hopefully, uh, there's some logic getting back on as people are hopefully getting back to normal. We have a very efficient food system in mm-hmm. this country, and you saw a little bit of a breakup of that last year during sure COVID did. because. You know, you couldn't process, or they couldn't process animals. They couldn't maybe process fruit, or you didn't have anywhere to go with the fruit or the vegetables or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it it is extremely important that mm-hmm. consumers understand that. And you know, this time this time last year that you were starting to develop some panic, mm-hmm. and people seek out some local things. And I think it's great that we have this very efficient system and some people call it factory farms but those animals are well cared for uh the husbandry that exists now all across the animal sector is so much better than it was 40 or 50 years ago and it, it leads to increased efficiencies but also we've got this other realm like john l Beatty, or the hatcher milk uh charlie hatcher our state uh, Commissioner of Agriculture is a partner in the Hatcher Dairy. The Turner boys over at uh, Shop Springs have opened a dairy. So we've got these local options. So we've got choice for every consumer, no matter what they're doing. And that's our goal as farmers, to give that choice to all consumers, uh, no matter what they want. It's amazing to me, by talking to John L., John L. Beatty, and some of the things that he's done, um, when th- these... Uh, things that happen in China and some of the other places that maybe affect our stores, our economy, and things like that. Um, we still have places that we can reach out to locally that that can maybe be sufficient to get us through those particular times, isn't it? Well, and really, you can just buy from them, and that would be the norm. Yeah. We have so many, you know, we talked about growth, and that's definitely impacted, I think, how people do business. But it, it's actually providing more opportunities for consumers. So, um, you know, dad might raise beef cattle that end up who knows where. Um, but also just around the road in Las Casas, there are beef cattle that are grown that are being processed and sold right there in Las Casas. So, I know you probably got a lot of listeners that knew Mr. Joe Jack and Miss Jerry DeMint. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, they're 
eldest granddaughter, eldest grandchild, mm-hmm. Beth, married David Ertle, and they are raising beef and marketed, marketing directly out in Las Casas. So if you want to check out some local beef, there's a source of that. But you can get online the communication system that we have now with with the social media and that kind of stuff. It's been a benefit for those for those people looking for that and those people wanting to sell those type products. Yeah, even the Holmans, they're just across the border in Wilson County. They raise lamb. You can buy lamb from them. But we're actually the number so two. So does my brother. Uh, well, or buy it from your brother. But um, we're actually the number two state when it comes to meat goats, too. So yeah. there's you could actually do things like get meat goats or buy dairy products from goats, too. So... You know, it's definitely changed. And Except for that movie, Silence of the Lamb. <laughs> it it kind of drives you the other way. Hey, Truman, I watched it one time. That was enough for me. All right, we got to – I can barely read this right. Someone asked you to mention the late Wendell Jones. I'm the young one. W.T. That's how we knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying. I think they're still trying to finish this sentence. Uh, great farmer. Uh, they say. Yeah, that's that it. Looks like my type. That, that looks like my typing. <laughs> All right. Uh, I remember WT well. Uh, miss seeing him. Would run into him at the yeah. co-op. I mean, a lot of people think of Wendell from. Sausage and biscuits and diesel fuel, you know, but he was a farmer at heart and grew up on the farm and the whole family. You know, his dad owned a good bit of land out there on Armstrong Valley mm-hmm. years ago, and uh, his brother is uh, John Hodge is still out there on a on a farm that at uh, Wendell's family uh, nice farms crops. Yes, yeah. there's some beautiful beautiful places out there. Wendell actually bought a farm that belonged to one of my great uncles. My grandmother was a Gordon, and her brother Henry Gordon owned the place there across from Crescent Store, and it goes down no, Midland. What are you talking about? It goes down yeah. Midland Road. Yeah. And, uh, well, we could spend two weeks on the Gordons talking about them. Of course. Uh, Uncle Bob, Uncle Henry, and uh, uh, I called him Uncle Graham, but his grandkids called him PG. Yeah. But they were all farmers, and uh, I'm... I'm Hope Wendell and them, or Wendell's family, can keep it, Uncle Henry's farm going as 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 long as possible. You know, it's a valuable piece of land, but it's productive, uh, good red Rutherford County dirt. You know. Well, uh, you don't see much cotton out here as much as you used to, but one of the things, just like soybeans. Soybeans is, is a great product right now, isn't it? They are that uh, hog herd and. China consumes. Yeah. When I think in 1982 we made a two billion bushel uh, soybean crop in the United States, wow. and it broke the market. And now we, uh, the productivity that we have, uh, the yields are twice. Uh, we regularly make in the four billion bushel. Mm. If we made two billion bushels, the market would go crazy now because there is that much demand for that product. Well, it's like corn. They've done research on all the ways they can use it. Actually, one of my favorite things that soybeans make are, are crayons. So they can be used for everything. Yeah, they're a good oil substitute, you know, and they do make biodiesel and that kind of stuff out of soybeans. Well, but we th- always remain the number one uh, product as far as uh, the things that we grow here. Will we always remain number one or who is catching up with us right now? I know China is, it has its, it, it comes and goes. Corn is the one crop that we're a long way from losing that number one spot. Yeah. The South American expansion in the last 40 or 50 years has been phenomenal in Brazil and, and into Argentina too. So mm-hmm. they become, they have become major exporters of soybeans and a lot of those go through uh, the Suez Canal to China, but not exclusively. They also go into Europe and that kind of stuff. When it's not blocked. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I Did said Suez. I meant, I meant Panama. Sorry. Sh- yeah. Oh, you meant Panama. Yeah. I meant Panama yeah. Canal. Yeah. The ship sorry. is out of yeah. the Suez Canal, yes. Yeah. It's been a strange year. It? <laughs> it's been a strange 18 months. <laughs> yes, sir. I won't disagree with that a bit. And uh, when you think about capitalism, which this country is built on, 
farmer is num- farming is number one. Yeah, and, and that's back to my point about the efficient food system. Yeah. That's capitalism, but it's also capitalism for the hatchers or the babies or the turners or the Ertles to be supplying a local product, you know. Yeah. So there are niche markets there that, that uh, people are capable of doing. You mentioned cotton. I have been told, but I have not confirmed it, but there were 13, at the er, in the early uh, 1900s, there were 13 cotton gins in this county. Mm. That's how big cotton was here. And the last one being the Haines gin, gin, I believe, closed in 69 or 70. But there is still some cotton here. Uh, Roger Smith and Chip and Bubba are raising cotton. They have oh, a round wow. bale. Yeah. They've got a cotton picker that that uh, new and like it probably costs nine hundred thousand dollars. So you can see what kind of investment there is. But the cotton will go south to Lincoln County to be ginned, and so there is still some cotton here. And for a long time, yields on cotton didn't change through the '50s, '60s, '70s, but over the last 25 years, they've doubled and even tripled. To me, an amazing thing about agriculture, when I was a kid, if we made national yield average, which might have been 100 bushels Mm -hmm. when I was a young kid, if we made that average here, uh, we had had a a great corn crop. And now we are regularly making over, even though that average is up 75 to 80 Mm percent in the last 30, 40 years. Uh, we make over national average. One thing we're doing as farmers, I think, is no-tilling, which goes back to the soil conservation thing. In other words, we don't plow the ground. It's, it, we uh, take the planter, plant it in. You do have to use chemicals mm-hmm. to keep that down. Uh, and local farmers are incorporating a lot of cover crops, mm-hmm. which is kind of back to the future. But I think over it, I, I might not live to see it, but in my uh I think our yields will possibly even beat those in the Midwest some years because we're adding organic matter. We're capturing carbon by doing those cover crops. And it's really beneficial for the soil. It's beneficial for the water and the air, too, and uh, makes a better crop. You know, uh, Ted Beatty goes over to Bud Mitchell's Bud's Tires every Friday morning. You ought to do that because it's a great group. But they're beyond me. They talk about scientific things when it uh, refers to growing crops and things like that. And it just, it's changed so much over the last 15, 20 years. How important is that? And say, like a university, like MTSU has, has agriculture here, how important is that to be in our education system? It is very important. Uh I've got, I can name you two young men that used to work for me. Both of them had quit college. Both of them went back and have ended up, they're now in Georgia, uh, working in the agricultural industry. Mm -hmm. And I think the combination of being to be outside and have some interesting things that they were interested in. Yeah. uh, MTSU, I believe, is the largest pre-vet college in the state of Tennessee. Mm. So whether you've got farm animals or, or small animals. Yeah. They, you've got to start somewhere with that pre-vet, so that's that's a a, a big thing. You I know. am aggravated. We've run out of time. <laughs> I can't believe that. You, y'all are going to have to come back again. Cause <laughs> I'm sure we didn't cover a tenth of what we need to be covering, but yet you covered a lot while you were. Um, I, it didn't get to talk about the historic part of Las Casas and Milton either. Uh, we, we can do that. We can talk about a lot about the history of agriculture. I've got... Eight or ten different milk bottles that were bottled by dairies in this county, so we can we could spend a, the, putting the milk cans out to the road so they could pick them up. Daddy always had great ice, so we always had a bulk tank. But uh, I can remember Mr. Paul. Well, died. we were we were poor people. We, I mean, we, <laughs> we we didn't have all of those luxuries. He just borrowed more money than you did, <laughs> Truman. Uh, Mr. Paul Dodd, neighbor of ours, managed the creamery, learned to make cheese from Mr. John Bernick, who had, who had come from, uh, from Mr. Adolph Bernick, who had come from Holland, was learned it over there. So it's a lot, a lot of interesting agriculture history in the county. Did they wear wooden shoes? Uh, he, but uh, he told my daddy that he wore wooden shoes. Mr. Adolph did. Wow. I met him. I, I, he was a. Uh, 
when I was a young guy, he was a very elder man. Uh, his grandson Tom's still on the farm out at Midland. That's amazing. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. In fact, I, I didn't participate. I was just sitting here listening, <laughs> which, which I love that. Uh, tell the law firm, uh, Laura, that I, I send my love to them. I will. Not yeah. many people send law firms love, so we will take it any time we can get it. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We will see you in the morning at 9. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Since 1981, Willow Windows been making homes beautiful all over Tennessee. From decks and railings to doors and windows. Visit WillowWindow.pro. Willow Window, the official sponsor of the WGNS Studios. WillowWindow.pro. 